Welcome back to Streamageddon, the TV and streaming podcast that always says, Yes, Chef, to you, our dear listeners. I'm your host, Chris Barlow, and I am joined uh, by my Sue chef let's say my 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 uh expo what are you diane would you just like to be my wealthy investor i'd love to be a wealthy investor are you with, interested with some shady in, ties. in a in an impoverished investor <laughs> yeah that too again as long as there are some shady shady ties and and it would help if you had oliver plath's chicago accent going and i i know you can because you are my co-host diane nora we're here this week to talk to you about so many things going on in the world of streaming including yes a review of season two of the fx on hulu hit you you can't actually watch it on fx but you can on hulu and it's a hit it's the bear it is i would say once again the show of the summer two summers running Strong sophomore season. Seriously, and we are going to share our thoughts about that strong sophomore season a little later in this episode. We binged the whole thing, uh, down to the wire in my case, but we did it, and I cannot wait to talk about it. Uh, But first, there is always so much going on in the world of streaming, so much news, so many uh, rumors, and this week we are actively tracking what may or may not become an actor strike, and at the time we are recording this, there is just no way for us to tell. So, uh, unfortunately, we have no updates for you on that at this moment, but we do have something, dare I say, even better. That's right. We're about to play America's favorite game show, The Game Show, where Diane has to guess whether TV shows that we know and love have been renewed or canceled. I knew it was coming for me one of those days. I didn't think today would be the day. But as usual, I will make a bold attempt. Uh, That's all we can ask is a bold attempt to tell us whether the following shows have been renewed, canceled, or canceled and purged from existence by their streamer. Or, get ready for another twist, we don't know because the strike has delayed a decision. There's so many possibilities this round of Renewed or Cancelled. And yes, friends, you can play along at home. Just scream the answer out loud. I'm sure the other people on the train won't mind. (laughs) All right, Diane, are you feeling lucky? Are you feeling ready? Because this first one makes me sad, but it is a total layup for you. On the streamer Max, the other two, renewed or canceled? The other two has been canceled after a very wonderful season. In fact, their best season. I can, now that it's completed, no spoilers here. You, you listener, know we're big fans of the other two. Uh, the third season wrapped. I, fun fact, behind the scenes, we recorded an episode that week and, and had a whole section where we begged David Zasloff to renew the show. And we wondered, why haven't they made a decision about that? And then we wondered, why is it so hard to find the other two in the Max app? And then less than 12 hours after we wondered those things, we learned that it's been canceled amid HR complaints, according to a story in The Hollywood Reporter. Of course, the link is in the show notes. And we're not going to go fully into this, but it did seem like, oh, that's why Max is kind of burying it beneath the fold, so to speak. 
Perhaps. I do think it still managed to get so much buzz this season. So Max's decision to bury it on the app, even with some scandal surrounding it, seems foolish to me. Because as we know, sometimes shows with behind the scenes scandals, even if this may not be a savory aspect of our culture, sometimes that helps shows do even better to have a bit of drama. Uh, And even, you know, when it's uh, not so complimentary to those involved. Yeah, and it is what I would kind of call the classic uh, Hollywood scandal. It's a toxic workplace scandal. It's not mm-hmm. a. It's not an accusation of a particular illegal activity. In fact, the article kind of stresses at the end of the day, the HR team at Warner Brothers cleared them. And also nothing they found was illegal, just a horrible work environment, which is not super unsurprising for parts of Hollywood. No, it's not, unfortunately. Definitely something perhaps in this moment where we're looking at our systems might change, but oh, maybe it'll get or worse. Who not. knows? The real dark <laughs> the, the real dark nugget there um, was a quote they had from Tina Fey accepting, uh, giving a speech earlier this year where she just casually threw out some shade about how Lorne Michaels, who was the original employer of the creators of the other two because they are SNL writer alums, has created these monsters onto the world of, of other shows. And she specifically said, you can ask the cast of the other two about that. And then she said she shouldn't say that. And I'm like, well, then you've just outed that everyone in Hollywood knows. And I'm amazed, actually, I did not see that spicy nugget at the time. I'm I'm kind of glad I didn't because it would have colored my feelings about season three, perhaps. I, I, I don't know. Either way, I loved season three and I'm sad to see it go. Agreed. I loved it. It was a great season. And I will say the creators did say when this news broke that they uh, ended it the way that they wanted it wanted to and while we don't know we can't say for sure if that's true if this was their plan to end on season three or not uh it was still a good finale i would recommend it absolutely and honestly i look at that finale and i'm like that's a finale where if you'd been renewed you would have gone now that wasn't the ending that was just a good finale but if you knew it was ending uh or if you just watch it knowing it was ending it does feel final uh, so a mission accomplished in that way. I'll give them, whether they intended it to be the finale or not, they spun it real well. Agreed. But that is just question one in this exciting round of Renewed or Cancelled. Next up, at nearby in the Max app, an HBO series, a Black Lady sketch show, Renewed or Cancelled. Is this one where we're waiting on strike news? I thought this was renewed. Cancelled after four seasons. Yeah. Are you, what is wrong with them? I know. And, and the cancellation um, a press release, the press release from the folks at Warner Brothers Discovery, very complimentary of the show. They love the creators. Robin Thede's working on a new series for HBO. Uh, so they're happy to continue working with her, much in the same way, if you remember a year ago, they uh, canceled Losa Spookies, but they have an all-around right. deal with Julio Torres, and they are happily working with him. Uh, but but something in there, it's unclear the reason to me. I, I, I wonder, and this is pure speculation, if the numbers for the most recent season were sagging a little bit and they just made a business decision based on that uh, versus the cost of the show. Um, but they love the show is the tone they went out with. And in the past, I would have said all of that, but we love the show talk from the, the network canceling the show is just kind of... Um, 
you know, performative. But lately, networks and streamers have just taken shows out to the woodshed and ended them with no positive words to say at all. In fact, in many cases, they didn't even tell the creators of the shows they were doing that. So this, comparatively, is the nicest end of series you could have asked for. Yes. I hope that the reason it's not coming back is everyone involved is super busy with other projects that they want to pursue. Honestly, could could be true, too. The, you know, Robin Thede has been in every season and she's obviously the anchor of the show, uh, but she's got a lot going on. And then the rest of the ensemble has rotated through a lot of extremely talented people who do not have the scheduling availability to stick around for more than a season or two. I'm thinking of Quinta Brunson. I'm thinking of Ashley right. Nicole Black. And, you know, mm-hmm. I love every cast member they've had, but there is something to be said of as it rotates more, you begin to lose some people you love. And whether or not you you love the new people, you're still you've lost some some of the people you loved about the show. And that change might just put it in a place where th- there's a combination of reasons where they go, you know what, we're all moving on to other things. I'm going to cheer for HBO to license this show to another streamer. So unless that's already news and it's already happening. But uh, not as far as I know yet. (laughs) More and more audiences will get to watch it. I hope so, too. That is what's happening, as we know, with Insecure, a classic HBO show starring Issa Rae, one of the producers of a Black Lady Sketch show, which is being licensed to Netflix, which I think is a super smart move for that show. Anyone with an HBO or Max account that wants to watch uh, Insecure has watched it perhaps many times. Now it's time to find a new audience that doesn't have HBO Max, Max, HBO, whatever you want to call it. Watch it and then reach out to us and let's goss because I love it. Beautiful. You know what else we can goss about? Whether these shows have been renewed or canceled, next up, we're jumping to a more mainstream kind of platform. I'm talking, of course, about network television. What about ABC? And what about a show we reviewed earlier this year? Dead? Not dead yet. God, I can't get the name of that show right. I was going to say Dead Like Me again. Not dead yet. Renewed or canceled? Oh, no. Renewed. No, I botched everything there. Renewed. We're going to keep all that in because it felt so live. Uh, I'm actually surprised it was renewed. I would have said canceled, too. too. I liked it, but it's not setting the world on fire. I really enjoyed it, and I watched more episodes after we reviewed a few. But I don't know anyone else who watches the show. So somebody else is watching it and not telling their friends. And please tell me. Once again, this is my request. I would like to chat. We would just like to know, please, tell us more. Uh, And that's not the only show on ABC that we're talking about. Next up, Alaska Daily, renewed or canceled. That was canceled. I'm going to give it to you, but the answer I was actually looking for was canceled and purged from existence because you can no longer stream it on Hulu. Ooh, uh, I know. Ooh, I was going to say that the devil works quickly, but uh, I don't want to cast dispersions on anyone. So, uh, you know, that's somebody's somebody makes quick work. Uh, well, next up, staying in the ABC wheelhouse, let's uh, look at a sitcom, Home Economics. Home economics, has that been renewed or canceled? Oh my god, I keep accidentally turning the show on. Uh, renewed? I Sure, I'll give this one to you too. This one was our special answer this uh, episode. We don't know, but 
ABC has extended the uh, options on the cast. The cast was supposed to have an answer by the end of June, uh, and they still have not renewed the show, but ABC did extend the option to renew, which likely means they're going to renew it. I don't know why you would pay the cast to not work. I keep watching like a half an hour of this show and then realizing I didn't mean to turn it on. Because every time I finished a show on Hulu, they're like, you would like home economics. And I don't really. No, but the uh, cast is delightful. The cast is delightful. This is a show I had never watched until it was uh, slotted after Abbott Elementary on ABC. And I do sometimes watch actual network television live when it airs. Disgusting, I know. But because of that, I have seen an entire episode of Home Economics because it came on right after Abbott once. And I was like, I like these people. Sashir Zameda's here. Oh, Topher Grace is here. Oh, yeah, I like these people. And then 30 minutes flew by. And I cannot tell you a single thing that occurred in that episode. But it was pleasant enough, and I think that's exactly the sweet spot for home economics. I think so, too. And you know what? We will not stand for knocking network television on this podcast. We are we are common folk. That's right. And speaking of common folk, there's another network on network television that common folk love to watch. Fox. Fox. Still a network. No longer uh, the Fox of yore. Now just Fox. And Fox had a sitcom we've mentioned, though never reviewed, called Call Me Cat, which stars Mayim Bialik and has aired like uh, three or four or 12 seasons worth of episodes. There's a staggering number of episodes of this show that I know zero people who have ever seen. So my question for you, Diane, is, is there another season of Call Me Cat coming this fall, renewed or canceled? Is this one also waiting on uh, strike news? No, this is just canceled, which is amazing because most people don't know it exists. I like Mayim. I wish her well. Same. That's great. What else is on Fox? Well, you know what else is on Fox? 911. That's a show. 911. Don't call it. Just just know it's a show. But has that show been renewed or canceled? I think 911 got canceled. I will give it to you. But then I'm going to tell you some news. 911 was canceled by Fox and picked up by ABC, which you might know as the company that bought 20th Century Fox, but not Fox the channel, just 20th Century. It is so incestuous and weird for Fox to cancel it and then the ghost of Fox to buy it. But there you go. You can continue to watch 911 this fall on ABC. Seems like the kind of show that'll do well there. It does, which leads me to my follow-up question. 911 Lone Star, the spin-off of 911. Has 911 Lone Star been renewed or canceled by Fox? This is just a brutal round. I think 911 Lone Star got canceled too. I am so sorry. That was renewed. So now if you're a big stan of 911, the show airs on two different networks. It would be like if uh, Law and Order aired on ABC and SVU aired on NBC and then the one with Chris Maloney aired on CBS. And Dick Wolf could do that, but it would be weird. It, it would be weird. Okay, ready to pivot away from Fox and we'll head into the streaming universe. Uh, Hulu. Hulu, which we're going to talk about later in this episode, Hulu has a variety of programming from so many places at this point, including a network we know and love called Freeform, which is part of the Disney umbrella. Freeform, once a million eons ago, known as the 
Disney, ABC Family, ABC Family became Freeform, uh, not to be confused with Free V, which I constantly confuse it with. But again, Freeform, which you watch on Hulu, that's home to a show we reviewed called Single Drunk Female. Has Single Drunk Female been renewed or canceled? Single Drunk Female was canceled in the middle of the release of an excellent sophomore season again. Happy sound, sad feelings. That is true about uh, Single Drunk Female. I'm going to give us a freeform follow-up. Everything's trash. Again, a, a freeform show. It's also how I feel about things, but a freeform show called Everything's Trash. Renewed or canceled? Canceled. Canceled and... Scrubbed. Purged from existence. That's correct. Uh, really great. Disney is in the midst of a, a purge for tax reasons, as they always are. Um, next up, in the Hulu universe, one more. This one is an FX series, Reservation Dogs. Renewed or canceled? Another just outrageous one. This is canceled. Though it is going into a, a final season. This was, again, a more merciful announcement where uh, Disney came out and said, we are ending it. We are not going to greenlight another season, but we do think it is groundbreaking, historic, amazing work. Please watch season three, which still hurts, but great. While it is like historic and that's a great reason to watch it, it's also funny and interesting and cool, which is another good reason to watch it. And perhaps a better sales pitch in some ways. I do wonder if maybe mm. they, they missed the the messaging there. But but either way, great show, worth checking out. And there is another season coming your way. But is there another season coming your way of these NBC sitcoms? It's a bonus round of NBC sitcoms. Get excited. We're beginning with Night Court. Oh, uh, I think Night Court got renewed. Night Court did get renewed. And I am totally down with that. Still want to watch more John Larroquette. Who doesn't? So true. But do people want to watch more on a gas dyer on American Auto? Renewed or canceled? Renewed. Canceled. I I made the same face you're making right now, Diane. I was appalled. Oh, man. I agree. That's bad news. It's deeply bad news. The second season of American Auto was so funny. It's a rough time to be a network sitcom. It really is. It's also potentially a rough time to be The Rock because he has a network sitcom called Young Rock. Was Young Rock renewed or canceled? Canceled. Yes, that one, maybe not surprising. Young Rock canceled at NBC. And one more round trip through the NBC sitcom universe. Grand Crew renewed or canceled. Oh, I like this show too. Please say renewed. Of course, it was canceled then. It was also in its sophomore season, paired up with American Auto, and sent out into the great beyond by the executives at NBC. That's it. They really just said, yes, we know NBC Peacock's comedy, but what if we killed the Peacock? Hmm. I don't like any of this. Me neither, but I got one more question for you before we, we flee this depressing segment. The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Renewed or canceled? Uh, that's not an NBC sitcom. No, this uh, is your final. I, I'm just a wild card. It's a Disney Plus original, if that helps. Oh, it's purged. Yeah, yeah that's all you had to hear, right? <laughs> canceled, purged from existence. What will Jeff Goldblum do now? 
I hope something where he's acting and not traveling or something. Or what was he doing there? You know, it doesn't matter. I don't we know. can't find out. And that was your extremely depressing summer round of renewed or canceled or purged from existence or we just don't know. Wow, the chipper music did not help elevate my mood at the end of that, but we tried anyway. We tried. Wow. Well, let's bring the energy up with a look at some of this week's newsier stories in a segment that is about, yes, the news. And I'm going to be honest, this is mostly a bunch of follow-up, but I wanted to get to some of it, beginning with... Another sound effect, because of course it's Wabro Disco time. Yeah, because if you don't know, David Zaslav continues to be the most talked about man in Hollywood for no good reason, as he uh, found himself in the news again uh, last week. For ha- well, It's unclear if he actually did this, but his company... Uh, got very angry at a publication known as the Gentleman's Quarterly, which writes about gentlemen, such as David Zaslav, I'm told. And they wrote an unkind thing about David Zaslav, which is shocking, I know. No one in Hollywood has anything unkind to say about David Zaslav. Was it unkind or was it just good reporting? Or was it kind of lazy reporting because nothing in that article was news? All of it was just a summary of how people feel about David Zaslav. And Agreed. The, the argument that, that some people, I think, rightly are making here is the writer did not get seek comment from Warner Brothers. Uh, but it wasn't a news piece I, I, I back up to, except it was just a gossip piece in GQ about how everyone in Hollywood is angry at David Zaslav. And, you know, I think if you're a really good journalist, you should get, still get comment for your opinion piece. Or try. Yes. Or say we reached out. And then he was like, I don't want to talk to you because you're mean. Okay. So I do think there was a miss here. But then what happened? is even weirder. Like, okay, yeah, he, the writer did a, a boo-boo, and his editor did not catch it. Then things got strange. When they pulled the article? When they first edited the article aggressively to the point where the writer asked for his name to be removed from it, then GQ said, we don't run articles with no byline, but then they, they did remove his name temporarily. And then they were like, no, 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 we don't run articles with no byline. Whoops. And they pulled it. Then it turns out that one of the editors at GQ has a deal to develop an article from GQ into a movie at Warner Brothers. Because, you know, every TV show and movie is based on a weird magazine profile of Anna Delvey now. Well, and now Will Welch has totally ruined his reputation, too, the editor in question. It's just like one of those stories that makes everyone involved look awful. I probably would not have read this piece when it was first up in GQ, because like we were saying, I mean, I don't go for my uh, entertainment news to GQ. I would read like Deadline or Variety, Hollywood Reporter, maybe AV Club, but not, you know, or Vulture. You don't go to GQ for that necessarily. Maybe if there's like a juicy profile, but this wasn't that. It seemed like a news roundup. But then once I heard it was pulled and then archived elsewhere online, of course I read it. 
It's it's the classic Streisand effect. When you say right. no one may look at this, everyone's going to look at it. And again, it, it would have just flown under the radar otherwise. I do not understand what the trigger there was. But what I did walk away from was uh, remembering back to our good friend Chris Licht. Rest in peace. And Chris Licht... He was obviously the subject of a very brutal magazine profile, one that he was much more complicit in. Um, in fact, was fully complicit in the entirety of. Uh, but Chris Licht, he didn't quit because of the magazine profile. He did not uh, get publicly angry about the magazine profile. Who decided the magazine profile of Chris Licht was too embarrassing? David, David Zaslav. Zaslav. And that does say something about the culture at Warner Brothers Discovery, hit it. That keeps it jazzy, right? What a fun, groovy time they must be having over there. Well, you know, they're just picking up pieces, uh, shooting down articles, and doing one thing we all want them to do. Fixing the weird credits on the Max app. Because if you might recall, when the Max app launched, one of its many unforced errors was that they grouped all of the writers, directors, and producers into a nebulous creators field that literally made Martin Scorsese like the fourth line on some of his masterpieces. Uh, and, and more importantly to me, affected TV writers. But th the news is that our long national nightmare is beginning to end because they are beginning to fix it and it will take some time how embarrassing it's just all, all of these things when i think about david zaslav it really makes me question his leadership skills more so than this article ever would have his response to all this bad press absolutely same it's just like uh, a leader needs to know which battles to pick and which battles to skip and he does not seem to have that judgment no, and if he were just the guy slashing budgets and a lot of people were going to be pissed about that, that could be that would make complete sense to me that that would be the uh, case. Honestly, that's he, where we were a year ago. A year ago, I was he was doing things that made people angry, but I was more willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because there was some logic being communicated about it. Right. It's he's the money guy. OK, we don't like him, but I respect what he came here to do. And he's totally lost my respect. That's the real shift because, and honestly, let's become a business podcast for a second. I'm going to put on my Professor Scott Galloway hat uh, and, and you can put on your Kara Swisher sunglasses. Uh, oh, I, the real risk for David Zaslav is that uh, shareholders, Wall Street, will suddenly think that he doesn't know what he's doing because Warner Brothers Discovery stock is not doing hot to begin with and needs to do hotter in order to recover some of the extreme debt that they incurred by absorbing Warner from AT&T. So I, I do think while the, you know, the hoi polloi in Hollywood and, you know, the coastal elites uh, watching David Zaslav while they munch their popcorn, uh, we already felt negative things about David Zaslav. Uh, case in point, an entire article in GQ. But the finance bros, they are the real shoe to drop here, I think. Yeah, and we'll see. With this whole uh, strike situation, he could have let Sarandos be the villain. He did yeah. not have to be the face at the center of this. Yeah. And now more people are pissed at him. It's just, what are you thinking, my man? Uh, we don't I... know. But if you 
are David Zaslov, or you know what David Zaslov is thinking. Perhaps you're a medium, the Long Island medium, which I assume airs on a Discovery Network. You can write to us, podcast at streamageddon.com. We will christen a new segment, What is David Zaslov Thinking? Yeah, I, I will be nice if you want to talk, Zaz. Yeah. Oh, my God. Zaz, I will be starstruck in front of you. Uh, I still hope to run into you in Central Park one day on your way to eat like white fish at Barney Greengrass. And I don't like you. But still. I might like him personally. Yeah. You know, probably not a good sales pitch for him to come on this show, but we're nice people. See you in the Hamptons. Ah, I would love to go to the Hamptons, but I have more news to get to. Again, Round robin of some of our favorite follow-up topics. I mentioned in our uh, renewed or canceled that Disney has caught the David Zaslav uh, tax write-off bug, and they're removing and purging some content in order to get that sweet, sweet write-off. One of these things caught my eye because it is a movie that aired on Disney Plus and cost fifty-three point four million dollars to make, and has been on Disney Plus. Uh, for seven weeks, and is now gone forever. Why does a movie going straight to streaming cost that much? I mean, it doesn't Air, make sense. Air, the the uh, you know Air Jordan uh, movie that was on Amazon Prime, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon made like over a hundred million dollars selling that movie to Amazon. the The movie cost less to make than it cost Amazon to just get the Matt Damon Ben Affleck you know, I- imprint. But I still think $53.4 million for a straight-to-streaming family science fiction picture is beyond absurd. I agree. And also, Disney is not in the same financial situation as Amazon. No. No, they're not. They can't. Listen, $53.4 million, that's basically the cost of a single episode of Citadel, the most expensive TV show <laughs> no one has ever heard of, airing now on Amazon. Literally $50 million an episode for that show. So comparatively, $53 million to make a movie starring Kid Cudi called Crater isn't that bad, I guess. What is bad is spending $53 million on something and then deleting it seven weeks later. To Amazon's credit, no one thinks Citadel is good, but they're too embarrassed to delete it from their servers and they're doubling down on a second season. I heard that both Russo brothers really liked it, Chris. So I think you're being unfair. I heard both Russo brothers really liked it, too, as much as they liked the hundreds of millions of dollars spent in their their name. It's so true. Uh, You know, listen, removing things, we've said before, is part of the television experience. It, It is what traditionally did used to happen before streaming. Things would cycle out and disappear. But what I think we're seeing now is real evidence of a kind of fever that, that the streamers went through, especially during the pandemic, I think, where they thought everything's going to shift forever permanently to streaming. We're never going to leave our homes again, which was optimistic. I wish it had worked out that we never left our homes again. Would have been a lot easier for me. But instead, you know, things reset to a relatively new normal, and they they looked at these slates of very ill-advised investments they've made and went... Okay, how do we get a, you know, a CPA to turn these losses into write-offs? 
it's a it's a good question and the write-off that they're getting for this what's 1.5 billion dollars it's it's part of many many things they're purging right. that would include everything's trash uh some of the other shows we mentioned that are being purged from hulu that all rolls up to a 1.5 billion dollar tax write down sounds great I yeah, listen, I would love a one point five billion dollar tax write down. Uh Bob Iger, send me your tax guy. Please. Please. But you know, some streamers are growing up and some streamers are beginning to realize that they should just cancel shows before they make them. Which brings us to one of my last pieces of follow-up. Uh, our, our friends at Showtime, now part of Paramount Plus with Showtime, continuing to be demoted into non-existence, are also canceling a bunch of shows they were going to make. Uh, the one that was most interesting to me was a series adaptation of Gattaca, which is one of my favorite yeah. like late 90s movies, weird sci-fi um, I, I don't know if a series based on Gattaca would be any good. I don't understand how you adapt that and it's not a, a long movie. But I wanted to watch it and I'll never be able to. Just like I'll never be able to watch a Mandy Patinkin comedy called Seasoned. Well, I don't know what that's about, but I'm sad I'll never know now. Agreed. Somebody else go make that because I love Mandy Patinkin and he does make me laugh. You know, but at the same time, at least, at least Paramount decided before making a bunch of episodes of these shows. Because if you recall, last time we hung out and chatted together, we told you about the end of Star Trek Prodigy, which is a Paramount plus uh, Nickelodeon co-pro and animated Star Trek show that is actually decent. And not just because i uh, a sucker for Kate Mulgrew, who appears as CGI Janeway. Anyway, that show... Canceled and purged from Paramount Plus with an entire second season in the can, ready to air. And in that case, I am still optimistic Paramount Plus is going to find a buyer for that. But so bizarre to say, not you, you've already basically paid for the entire second season. Obviously, there's residuals and back-end stuff and contracts. But, but you've produced the entire second season. And you're like, nah. Yeah, I know it's our only big IP but that's not Yellowstone. Nah. What a time to be in the television industry. Oh, what a time to be in children's animation. They said always yeah. and forever in that industry. Which brings me to our final piece of follow-up. The Mario movie. We always love to talk about the Mario movie. And the Mario movie finally has a date for streaming. Are you excited to stream the Mario movie on Peacock? Uh, sure, for like how long before it moves? You know what? It's so confusing. We don't have the time to get into <laughs> the strange shenanigans that Peacock negotiated. Because you have to remember, Mario movie, Illumination. Illumination, part of Universal. Universal, part of Comcast. Comcast owns Peacock. Whew. It's coming to Peacock on August 3rd. There you go. I like Peacock. Keep Peacock alive. Yay. Let's keep peacocking. But first... <laughs> Let's shift to another animal subject. I'm talking, of course, about the bear. The bear. That's right. We're talking about season two of The Bear on Hulu, an FX production that, if we remember a year ago, was aggressively billed as FX on Hulu. But then Disney decided that branding was confusing because it was... And they decided just to call it 
FX's The Bear on Hulu. So just to stress, <laughs> if you love to watch the linear cable channel FX, home of What We Do in the Shadows, end of list, you're only going to find What We Do on the Shadows on that network and then reruns of uh, Marvel movies. The Bear maintains its stance as a Hulu-only experience, just produced by your good friends at FX, so you know it's got that edgy spice. I do appreciate that edgy spice. It's probably my favorite TV aesthetic right now in terms of the different My favorite Spice channels. Girl, too. Edgy Spice. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Edgy Spice, yeah. But, of course, uh, season one of The Bear was a breakthrough hit last summer. In a way, I think Hulu kind of sent it out into the world as a, hey, FX made this weird show. It's got a lot of good people in it. Does anyone want to watch a show about, like, really stressed out chefs? Let's find out. They did market it pretty aggressively for a Hulu show. That's true. But, last summer. Yeah. But it definitely uh, defied expectations. Oh, absolutely. And and was a break breakout hit, I would say, uh, for Hulu in particular. Uh, and a breakout hit in some ways for Jeremy Allen White, the star. He's obviously well known to a certain kind of cable viewer because he was on all 58 seasons of Shameless. But this has been his first real star turn where he gets to redefine himself as something other than Lip from Shameless. I loved Lip. I do, and too. And I love Carmi. But yeah, I, it's been a great move for him. And and that's just the tip of the iceberg with this cast. Because I will say, coming back to season two of The Bear, spoiler alerts for all of The Bear, uh, I, it was so... I forgot how much I love all of these characters and how much I want to spend time, not just with Carmi, not just with Richie, not just with Sid, but with that whole cast of really down-to-earth, very relatable restaurant employees. There's a great balance, I think, in this show of the extremely high-octane, mentally unstable, emotionally damaged main characters, like Carmi in particular, but also Sid and Richie. And then the the people who are more identifiable as people you know in your life. That's not to say that they're simple or happy or two-dimensional. They're all dealing with stuff. They're dealing with a dying parent. They're dealing with uh, their own feelings of inadequacy or a life change in mid or late life, a newfound sense of self-respect. These are all themes that the, like, supporting cast dredges up in the bear. And that as my lead-off, would be actually what I loved most about this season. I agree with you wholeheartedly. They're fantastic. In particular, um, I love Tina. I would yes. like to see... She's so good. She's so good. I would like to see a lot more of them, honestly, yeah. and a lot less of some of the new characters. Um, they seemed to bump Sugar up to more prominence, but I don't feel like her character has as much nuance as, say, Richie or Carney. Um I don't Sydney know her as well. Stays I, great. Yeah, it, it, Sugar, also known as Nat or Natalie, is uh, Carmi's sister, and and she definitely is bumped up to a much more prominent cast member this season. Um, and it took me until the end of the season to get behind that, just because it did. I didn't know her as well. I wasn't really clear on where her arc was going or how I should feel about the developments in her life. She uh, gets pregnant. She's will they, won't they, with whether she wants to work full-time at the restaurant. And that was sort of her only defining traits for the middle stretch of the season, was like, she's pregnant, 
And will they, will she, won't she work at the restaurant? She's refusing to commit. But we all know she'll probably wind up working at the restaurant. And I think they got stuck in that middle gear with her writing-wise uh, in the middle of the season. And then towards the end of the season, she begins to get a little more juice again, especially around the finale where she has a lot hanging on whether or not their mother will show up. She's what Carmi could have been if Carmi had been more well-adjusted. Yeah, I think that one thing I like is that they show her skill in managing the restaurant, which yeah. none of the characters seem to have before. I mean, Sydney obviously had those impulses, but she also has this extraordinary talent as a chef, and she really needs to be focusing her energies there. So it's a waste to have Sydney like doing the logistics. And um, we see that Sugar's really great with that. We see her charming... Um, uh, What's his name? Cicero? Cicero. Yeah, I was about to say, she also serves a really important just functional role in the story this season because they're getting bankrolled for their restaurant by Cicero, Oliver Platt's character, who's the sort of shady businessman in the family, a very Chicago trope. Uh, And Cicero was sort of an antagonist in season one. and, And shifts into a way more interesting role in season two, where he is funding the restaurant, but under an agreement that if the restaurant fails, he gets the entire shebang, not just the restaurant, but the plot of land, the building, he gets it all, and then he can tear it down and do whatever he wants with it. And that would financially make him whole, but he doesn't want that. And by the end of the season, his his journey to kind of rooting for Carmi and team is really heartwarming in a way, because it's such a great twist on that character from season one. But I think Sugar was an integral part of that arc because she has a different relationship with him. She sweet talks him. She plays up the please help me. I'm the girl in the family angle very deliberately and effectively. And that was something that I I wonder if they felt they needed a character who could have that dynamic. Right. And that made sense. Um, I also think that the uh, creator's sister is a chef and um, Mm -hmm. is part of the inspiration for this show so it makes sense to have this like sister character uh you know becoming more central to the story i was a little confused by her character in season one and i she's becoming a lot more clear to me um and i imagine the show will continue because again it's a massive hit so interesting to see what they do with her next yeah and and one thing I, I kind of just alluded to this, so we'll go straight to it. The season finale brings them all to the restaurant for opening night. It's friends and family night. And one of the lingering questions on friends and family night is, will Carmi and Sugar's mom, Jamie Lee Curtis, will she show up? Carmi did not want her to be invited. And you, you can tell from things we learned earlier in the season, things are not good between mom and the kids. Uh, but you also are very clearly told that Sugar hopes mom will show up every time and that sugar is the one who gets disappointed when mom fails to show up and the twist that literally put a tear in my eye in that finale is that mom does show up outside the restaurant but the person who sees her and notices is uh sugar's husband pete who has been a small kind of side character through the whole run he's part of the extended barizano family universe uh, and he sees her outside, and I, I thought that scene between um, uh, Chris Witoski, who plays Pete, and Jamie Lee Curtis was some of the most emotional acting and writing I had seen all season on an extremely well-acted and written show. 
Yes, he's very good. And I like his balance because the guy that like is obviously so kind and sweet and who none of them can stand. He's a great mix to the clan. Um, yeah, I think that I, I think Jamie Lee Curtis was miscast in this role. I think she's going to probably win awards for it. So uh, I know other people disagree, but um, I was really distracted by the Jamie Lee Curtis of it all. Um, I don't I... think she ever really like escaped into donna yeah. and donna seems so central to the season she did feel like she was kind of in a different show or a different movie even she sort of felt like she was i, I it's a weird hair to split but she sort of felt like she walked in from a dramatic family drama movie uh and and we're watching a sh- a tv show that has elements of family drama but is not a dramatic family drama movie in tone or style uh i, I what really worked for me in the finale was that they they made me think she was going to show up and crash the party and instead mm-hmm. what happened was much more realistic and emotional and subtle and and did not cause her to explode into the rest of the episode instead they kind of they contained it in a really intense and unexpected dynamic with Pete Pete, the last person who you think is going to be in the the one dramatic scene with Donna in the entire finale. But it, that that to me worked. Where it didn't work for me, and this is probably the most dramatic and controversial thing you could say about the whole season, is in the Fishes episode, which is the main Jamie Lee Curtis star turn episode, a, a one hour plus mid-season flashback episode that is essentially a mini movie. Uh, I... It's a it's a well constructed, interesting story. It also doesn't feel in the world of the bear. Interesting. I thought I thought the acting in that episode was was very good from our returning characters. Um, and and I liked seeing the development with Richie. I liked seeing the development with Michael, who we don't get that much, but John Bernthal is really great in this part. Um, and I, I, I liked that final moment with Carmi staring at the, the cannolis. Um, cannoli really, yeah. really was effective for me. Um, what this episode demonstrates for me is something that I think this show does better than anything else on TV right now is it just continues to ratchet the tension higher and higher. And when you're at a point that you're like, I'm so uncomfortable, somebody do something to break this tension, they'll do a slight shift. So it's the thing you don't expect. Like you expect Donna to show up and just make a huge scene and embarrass everyone at the uh, opening of the restaurant. And instead something else happens. Uh, Carmi self-destructs instead. You expect something to happen um, with Michael and and um, the forks that are being thrown around. And instead, she crashes the car into the house. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit over the top. I believe it as a, as a thing for this person who seems so mm-hmm. very unwell. Um, I, again, the casting didn't really work for me for those minor roles, so even though I like almost everyone involved. But I do think just the way that they reach that level of intensity is like a master class. 
Yeah, and I I, I think that's really well said. I, I There's a lot to love about fishes as an episode. And there's a lot to love about the direction of fishes, the performances, mm-hmm. like you said. It, it is super engaging and is the spiritual successor to the real-time episode from season one, uh, in my opinion, which ironically Agreed. was the shortest episode they've ever done. This was the longest episode they've ever done. But there is something really satisfying about the fact that they sort of zagged when you might expect them to zig. That they went, we know the vibe that really knocked that episode in season one out of the park. What if we applied that that ratcheted tension, that extreme tension vibe to a family Christmas episode? And that was successful, I, I think, um, as, a, as an idea, as an outing. Uh, where I, I do stumble a bit is I do think some of the casting was distracting. And they're all amazing so actors. Much. And so, like, yeah, we start with Jamie Lee Curtis, who is one of my favorite actors in existence. But also, I, she didn't gel great with that, that group of people for me, personally. And that was then, that was emphasized or underscored by the fact that that episode is a cavalcade of stars. And I do wonder if we hadn't had the massive star power throughout that episode kind of distracting from the core of the show, I wonder if I would feel differently about Jamie Lee uh, and her casting as as Donna. I, I really wonder if it's more that the overall effect of watching in like two seconds, John Mulaney uh, enters the room Followed by, I'm sorry, I have to go back to Bob look at my notes Odenkirk? here. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk, Sarah Paulson, John Mulaney, Jillian Jacobs all just wander into the room. And you're, you're like, none of these people are on this show. What? Um, part of what this show does well is capture the realism of like a certain location. Even though like as we've discussed in our previous review of season one of The Bear, nothing like nothing is at all like Chicago. But um, the fictional city of Chicago that they created for the bear sounds like an interesting place to visit. Uh And uh, so if I if I just accept that, I can continue enjoying the show. But what they do capture the realistic feeling of being in a restaurant kitchen as someone who's worked in a restaurant, I can totally say, oh, my gosh, they nail that. And a lot of professional chefs have said that, too. Being like, oh, this is a family dinner in Chicago. There are all these people here. I was like, this doesn't feel like family because I know none of these people are related. Yeah. And there is something to there were moments in that episode where I went, yeah, as someone who grew up in Chicago, there are trappings of a family Chicago Christmas with the cousins you rarely see and the different vibes that everyone brings. And some of them are from more money and some of them are from less money and some of them are loud and some of them are quiet and they all come together at Christmas. And that was authentic to me. What was inauthentic was like Sarah Paulson is a restaurateur from New York who wants to give Carmi a job and she's married to John Mulaney. I don't know who any of them are. It doesn't really make sense. We didn't have enough time to let any of them 
like act act you know yeah to get to know those characters instead i just kept looking at john mulaney and sarah paulson the characters have names the characters are mentioned again in later episodes but they're not there because they were only in that one episode and at that point i already have kind of had my experience with them so there was no groundwork laid to be like ah yeah you're finally meeting john instead i was like that's john mulaney what is he in this world why are they insistent on doubling down on these people being Nepo babies? I know it's about their family and it's a family business, but like it could be a family business without, oh, and my uncle is funding us and we have another aunt in the industry who's like letting us in on it. It's like, are you going to like ever develop that or like any conflict about the fact that these people have that privilege when, say, let someone like Sydney has had her business fail. It doesn't feel like they have really interrogated that at all. And they put in another character who's like helping them with an in and the family. It didn't really make sense to me. I think that's a good call out. And I wonder if that's a direction they might explore in season three. I hope so. I I hope so too, honestly, because it's a really good idea for how to drive more tension between Carmi and Sid in particular. And one of the challenges I think a show like this faces, where people are initially at odds with each other, then they come together to do something, and they become a team, and there's struggles, and there are fights, but at the end of the season, they are a team. Not a, not everyone's in a good place, but <laughs> that's for sure. But, but Sid and Carmi have, and Richie in particular, who goes through a complete transformation this season, they've come together as the squad of the bear. And the risk is that a, the show leans into, well, we can't have these people be at odds anymore because they like each other now and the audience likes that they like each other. So instead, we'll invent a new villain. And I can think of some very popular uh, very emotional comedies that have very much fallen into that trap after some very good early outings. And I'm just going to leave it at that. That's why I think... <laughs> no no shade. No shade. That's why I think the uh, idea that they really explore that, that class privilege would be a super interesting take for season three, where the easy answer, I think, for season three is the struggle of just keeping the restaurant open. But add a layer of class privilege to that, and oh, I'm there. Or it seemed like they were also introducing a possible uh, point of conflict, which is a point of conflict in this season, but could become more heightened, of Carmi and Sydney versus Carmi and Claire. Because Mm -hmm. they've also introduced this love interest for Carmi. Things didn't end well between them, but I feel confident she'll come back, even though right now she's a little manic pixie dream girl, guys. Give her some stuff to do. But uh, She's a doctor. She's Uh a manic pixie dream doctor. You see a couple montages of her doing doctor things. And that's how you know she does stuff elsewhere. Apologies to Dr. Pixie Dream Girl. (laughs) I am not shipping Carmi and Sydney. No, I'm not shipping Carmi and Sydney either. I I want them to be brother and sister. Right. I, I really like their dynamic as colleagues and as peers. And I love the thing... The show is exploring how two brilliant people making something together can have these really intense struggles that are sometimes 
um, emotional and intimate like romance, but what they're experiencing is not romantic or sexual. And I don't want them leaning into that. Um, yeah. A lot of the conflict with Carmi and Sid this season seemed to be, oh, we're trying to connect and missing each other. They finally had this great scene where they're constructing a table together. Um, the, though, can I pause? What were they doing to that table? There was something wrong with that table, and then they're under it with some screwdrivers, and it was some of the weirdest physical acting I'd ever seen, because he's, like, holding up a table that's already hel- holding itself up. I, I, I just genuinely have to ask, did you know what they were doing to that table in that scene? No, I was just enjoying it. I think that that is a very fair question, and... um. It's one of those things where can we talk about the binge model? Should we? Yeah. Do, do we it, just want to okay. shift into that? Because the other big question I had me, is they dropped it as a binge. I don't like this show as a binge. I really I finished watching the finale 20 minutes before we started recording, not because I don't like it, but because I can only watch like one episode of this at a time. So I disagree pretty strongly, but I know that Chris's opinion is the more popular one right now, that this show oh, should not you. be binge. I don't think that it's fallen out at all of the cultural attention. Um, it's still constantly trending on social media. It's all my friends are still talking about it. Obviously, I'm in a bubble, but I mean, it still seems quite popular. Um, I think that it will garner a lot of award buzz. Oh, yeah. Um and scenes like that where if you take a minute and think about what's happening in them make less sense and if you let the show watch over you and just give you an all-consuming body panic attack then it's really effective for me so i think Hmm. dropping it all at once works i think that's an interesting argument And I would say everything you said, I agree with in the opposite way, where the fact that I was watching them back to back to back made me more attentive to those things, more aware of them, where if I was digging into my one slice of the bear a week, or maybe my two, if they do two a week, I think I would be a little more forgiving of that because the anticipation of another helping of the bear would be very uh, energizing as a viewer and having to having to I'm really sounding put upon here uh, but, but watching them back to back to back you begin to go how's this episode what's happening in this episode I get a little more clinical when I'm binging and maybe that's just me maybe that's like yeah that, that's because you you hate enjoying yourself just like Carmi but I do think that in my case there were more moments when I was binging it where I went that edit was weird she went out back an hour ago in the plot line of what's happening in the kitchen. And now they just cut back to her outside like she just went out back. And it doesn't matter. The vibe works. But because I was watching it, like, just like churning through it, I had these moments of, yeah, but what's happening here? Why are they under the table? What are they even screwing? How do you have time to think when they're like throwing stuff at each other? <laughs> Well, I mean, this season slows down a bit in a way. I did have some times to think. And and to get back to uh, unabashed praise and enthusiasm for this show, some of my favorite moments and episodes this season were, ironically, the slowest ones. I think uh, the episode set in Copenhagen, when uh, we go to Denmark to just make desserts, that might be my favorite standalone episode of the season. It's not the most dramatic. It doesn't lean on the most cast. Uh 
in that episode, Marcus, who's going to be the dessert chef uh, and has had a good story arc in season one, kind of coming to this point, he doesn't have a high culinary background. So they pay to send him to one of the restaurants that Carmi used to work at in uh, Denmark. And at this place, he studies with a, a extremely attractive, famous pastry chef from London. And that's the episode. It's pure vibes, that episode. And I loved how unexpectedly slow it was. And if the whole season was that slow, I, yeah, that would be a problem. But I do think them beginning to modulate the pace and experiment with, we know we, know we can do high tension very well. Can we do low tension very well? Interesting. I found myself a little less drawn to the episodes away. I think what works for me is this cast interacting together. I want them in the kitchen and I don't mind those being quieter moments in the kitchen. I would love to have an episode of Marcus, you know, remaking the same donut over and over. Um, Sometimes that the um, rate at which they improved on their short excursions away particularly for richie really um yeah. uh i had some credulity questions i but i i don't care i yeah. i don't i don't watch this show for it to make sense i will agree richie's episode forks which is a great episode for eva moss bakarak he, he, he his performance in it is amazing he's so good but there is a moment at the end of the episode where they're like wow you've just become such an integral team member here and it's like but we watched most of the episode him not being an integral team member there he was only there for a week and he spent at least the first half of that week not being good at the job and then somehow within a couple of days he's transformed so that on his last day they're so sad to lose him and everyone respects him and i'm yeah, that's a satisfying character journey, sure. But in no real world would that occur in the course of like 72 hours. No, I didn't really buy it. I did like the little thing about Pequod's, I guess. Uh, and he's so good that I that I liked that. Yeah. I, I, I'm rooting for him. So there was something a little satisfying about that. And I did like that they still somewhat undercut that moment that he had with Olivia Coleman at the yeah. end. Again, distracting. But she's wonderful. I love her. But I, I, I love on. her. But I did ask Diane before we recorded, am I crazy? Or was Olivia Coleman only in five minutes of the entire season? Season and why it was distracting you know olivia coleman is famously a world-renowned chef based in chicago so well, it, it was normal really for her to be sense. there it was just convenient you know after she mm-hmm. got done filming the queen the crown whatever it was she was like i want to go back <laughs> to my roots as a chef in chicago sure you know i'm I, really glad they didn't make her try to do the accent i am oh thank god no thank god I'm sure she just would have declined. They could have written the accent and she'd be like, no, you asked for Olivia Coleman. You get Olivia Coleman. Did they or did Olivia Coleman's agent reach out and be like, I'd like to do the bear? Well, that is a tone that some people have have questioned a lot this season in our uh, topic of guest stars. There was Olivia Coleman in that episode. Uh, My uh, Copenhagen experience, Honeydew, featured... Yeah, Will Poulter. Uh, Just a variety of extremely, somewhat too extraordinarily famous, but all movie famous uh, guests in the show. Will Poulter, in my opinion, one of the things I liked about that episode was him. He's not so famous that I was bowled over by the fact that he was there or distracted 
distracted by it. And his character was an interesting vibe. His character was really, what if Carmi didn't have such emotional instability? He's not prestige TV famous, but he's Marvel famous. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people know Will Poulter. I think, I think he's, for a certain mass audience, he's a big draw. But again, they weren't using them as draws to the show. So I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of questions about that choice. But he, he did well. He's yeah, a good actor. And, and he, he was a central element to that episode. The scene with uh, uh, Richie and Olivia Coleman is a beautiful scene. It's wonderful to watch. The entire yeah. episode would have felt the same without it. I honestly, I don't think it added to the episode beyond being a lovely moment by itself. Um, I like, I really like that moment that um, it's like he's almost getting the thing he wants. Yeah. And then she walks away and she'll never think of him again. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I feel like you could have gotten that moment with someone else or, or with someone we already know oh, yeah. some other way. I agree that that moment is emotionally important for the character, but I found it distracting. It was with a character we have no context or background for. We just have to know, oh, well, she's the chef here, and if she's played by Olivia Coleman, she must be important. For me, the end of that beat needed to be back at the bear because the question is not, can Richie be competent and learn things? Though, again, it was a little quick, guys. But sure, he can be competent and learn things. The, the issue with Richie is not lack of intelligence. It's that he self-sabotages. So when he's back at his home base, are they going to suddenly give him this respect that he feels he's due based on this? No, of course not. He's going to have to prove it to them. And we know that that's where he's going to falter. So it didn't make sense to me to end the beat with Olivia Coleman, even though I liked the sort of crescendo and then to a, a moment of quiet. That that was a nice thing for me. But. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Well said. And again, what a what a great show to discuss in that we can have uh, so many uh, conflicting opinions within ourselves, let alone our extremely differing opinions about the binge model here. But I, I think that's the sign of a really good show. The more that you can pick apart how individual moments and casting choices affected you as a viewer, as a consumer of the, the art, that that's good. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's so much better than almost anything else on. Easily said. It's, re it's really good. The writing is good. The directing's fantastic. Uh, and the cast, especially this main cast, is so good. And if you need to populate it with um, some character actors, uh, you should in make Chicago. the show in Chicago. <laughs> There's so many to choose from. Come on. Just, I I can give you names. Just stand outside help. the Steppenwolf and just go, are you an actor? Are, are you an actor? You'll get a few. I promise. It's across the street from Millennia. It's exactly where you need to be. <laughs> no, I agree. And I, I to kind of wrap the core cast and the questions about, you know, too much, how much synergy is too much synergy with the guest stars? I'm curious, who did you feel got the short shrift this season? And my answer is Tina, 1,000% Tina. She has yeah, an amazing... Yeah, and last season. Yeah, both seasons, honestly. And she has two very clear, satisfying character arcs that she goes through. It is 
a, a, a huge credit to the actor, but also a, a credit to the directing that they still get her through a journey of some kind that makes me love her as a character so much. And then it's a crime that they don't give her more to do. I, I you know, we had Richie had his standalone episode. Uh, we had Copenhagen, Marcus. like I talked about with Marcus. Uh, she doesn't get one. And she deserves one as much as both of them. Oh, yeah. I completely agree. She's way underutilized. And most of the women on the show are. Yeah. The, there's Sydney. And Sydney is so good. Iowa Debris is so good. Give her all of the awards. Uh, let her make her own stuff. She's fantastic. But other than Sydney, the women on the show are given short shrift in general. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I not wrong. And and again, it's something they can they can work on. They can address. Let's say uh, it's time for Tina's episode, Chris Storer. Oh yeah, it's time for Tina's episode. I'm ready, and I wouldn't mind a standalone for Natalie for Sugar to to give me more of her perspective, a a, a story for her that's not just uh, I'm supporting the guys making the restaurant. Agreed. Yeah. And it's not a flashback. Listen, I just, I've had enough flashbacks on enough shows. Maybe it's because I just watched uh, this week's episode of The Righteous Gemstones, which does their uh, annual, every season, The Righteous Gemstones. That's a flashback episode. And whether or not that's good or bad, maybe I'm just saying, enough with the flashbacks universe. Show me now. Show me the future. Actually, don't, don't do time travel, please. I didn't mind the one the one flashback here. I thought they were pretty judicious with the flashbacks. I, I see. You think they we were can... pretty judicious with the hour long flashback full of guest stars in the middle of the season? Yeah, I thought they earned it. I thought they had earned that okay. that flashback. And also because it's not like every episode is super yeah. bloated. It didn't make that comedy mistake that it's like, oh, we're breaking form. So everything can be 45, 47, 53 minutes long. No, they did it once and they did it well. Actually, a final question I have for you on the topic of that episode in particular. I clocked a moment halfway into that episode where I went, oh, this is two episodes that they, they stapled together. And I do wonder for this flashback concept. I think it was better that they did it as one episode, 100%. Do, do you, do, would you have enjoyed that episode as much? As someone who liked it functionally in the show more than I did, if they'd broken that into two episodes and kept a bit more of the consistency of each episode is about 30 to 40 minutes? Uh, or did you no. find something really satisfying about the extra length, the, the super size? I thought the, the break in form was good, and I thought... Again, the way that the tension escalated uh, between the, you know, perhaps sandwich of episodes worked. Yeah, and I, 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 this is my feeling too, like I said. And I would say at that point in the season was the right point for it. It's where they'd earned it. And and maybe it even could have come a little later in the season. Part mm-hmm. of my, part of my uh, hesitation about that episode is that they flash back to that episode a few times afterwards as Carmi is having panic attacks and that I deeply disliked because it was here's a flash of John Mulaney here's a flash of uh, of Sarah Paulson and I and again it just reminded me that I don't really know those characters and that there were these celebrities who dropped in in the middle of the season unexpectedly and why is Carmi thinking about Sarah Paulson Oh, yeah, right. no, she's we didn't not need Sarah that. Paulson. She's an a, a chef. Right, right. 
Yeah, we, we didn't need those flashbacks to the flashback. Um, trust your audience. We're clocking what's going on with him emotionally. You've done a good job in establishing his character. Just let it let it rip. Let it rip. Well said. And if you, <laughs> listener, want to let it rip on our comments section, you can email us, podcast at streamageddon.com, or leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice. Just, you know, let it rip in a positive way if you do it that way. Uh, but until then... Uh, tell us what you're watching, what you're streaming, and we will be back in your feeds with, I expect, some news about what's going on in the world of actors, writers, producers, and yes, the things they might be making when they all can come together, just like a team in the kitchen did on season two of The Bear. You see what I did there? I loved it. I loved it. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. You got it. Heard. Hands. And as always... Keep streaming. streaming. The bear.